0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Tuesday. Gangs all here. Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, Susan Littlefield all uh, working on us today, and we'll get uh, information on what we're going to be talking about over the next couple hours. Susan is at Nebraska Cattlemans Classic right now, I do believe.
1: I am, and there is a group of high school kids that are cooking away, and it smells so good.
0: Oh, really? And I suppose they're probably not cooking chicken there either, are they?
1: Yeah, there's a good chance it's not (laughs) chicken and it's not fish.
0: Okay, that's kind of what I figured. Or the Impossible (laughs) Burger of some sort. So, very good. Definitely
1: not that. Definitely
0: not that. All right, what do you got for us today?
1: Well, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219. We're going to hear from Chef Zach. He is with Cashway here in Kearney. He actually did a cooking demonstration this morning before the students started their competition. So... He gives us his insight of beef and gives you an idea of what maybe you could make supper as well. Then we'll come back at 1245, and Deb Gangwish will join me. She talks about grains beyond our state border and what the U.S. Grains Council has been doing for as many folks, including Nebraska corn farmers. Then at 1.17, it's Bryce Sabineau, National Cattlemen's Beef Association's CEO. Colin Woodall joins us to discuss their annual convention and a lawsuit that recently involved the beef checkoff. So that's what's happening from us on the midday.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Enjoy your time there. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Turn over to Jason Jorgensen. I don't watch a lot of NASCAR, but uh, that wreck that
2: Ryan Newman had yesterday was amazing. Wow. There's something else that's uh, not the way they wanted to uh, see the race come to an end at Daytona 500, especially with a guy flying through midair and being hit twice, and car on fire. and you, uh,
0: you and I were talking about it, though, that It's amazing how they make these cars anymore, how much safer
2: they are. They do, and they they have to do that when guys are uh, trading pain at 195 (laughs) miles an hour. But uh, hopefully Ryan Newman will be okay. At the the time, folks really thought he might not make it, but NASCAR came out... Last night with a statement that said that he was in serious condition, but his injuries at that time were not life-threatening. haven't seen too much for updates uh, this morning, but if we do, we certainly will pass that along. Also, sub-district basketball continues on tonight. Some of those sub-districts that didn't start last night begin tonight. One of those that does begin is in North Platte. It's Girls C-111. and We will bring you both of those games tonight on 880K-RVN with Kozad against Chase County and then gothenburg against Hershey, it should be interesting that chase county team's pretty darn good so
0: we'll say gothenburg's had a nice year too and you're all O and O right now everybody's equal out, so. and someone always gets upset they do that, that never that, that always happens that's for sure all right thank you jason i appreciate it we turn it over to bob rogan who's actually got stocks to talk about today
3: stocks are opening lower on wall street after apple said it would fail to meet its revenue forecast for the current quarter due to the impact of that virus Markets fell in Europe and Asia, with the exception of China, which was flat. Tech stocks saw the biggest early declines led by Apple and chip makers. South Korea's president says that coronavirus crisis has put his country's economy into, a, into an emergency situation. A number of other states are, are just reeling from, uh, from the, the virus situation and, it, and its impact. So those are some of the stories going on.
0: time for us to check in on our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and for and around the world paul perkins in here with me is uh, a little nicer day today winds not blowing quite as hard
4: exactly a uh, much nicer day with those lighter winds uh, seasonal temperatures so you really can't argue too much with the weather we're getting for a, a february day here right. just a little more snow covered as you do head out towards the west are still uh, using the snowplows out there to kind of clear the roads and, Still down to 19 in Chedron where they had of course at this time yesterday seven inches of snow on the ground They they can drive around on the highways with no problems but it's definitely still covered there just, it
0: just kind of sat there yesterday it yeah. wasn't moving very much for them so they really got it but it looks like we might get a little bit here coming up
4: exactly we do have a winter weather advisory that does kick in for portions of west central southwestern Nebraska on into north central uh, uh, Nebraska uh, expecting uh, some snow to start moving into the area for tomorrow night. If you could hand me that uh, winter weather advisory, I forgot to grab that oh, a little yeah. bit earlier. Here, I here we go. We yes. can do that for you, Paul. <laughs> But you we do want to let you know about the winter weather advisory that's in effect for, once again, parts of southwest, west central, and north central Nebraska. It's along and west of a line from O'Neill to Broken Bow, North Platte, and Curtis, midnight tonight to midnight tomorrow night. We're expecting some slick conditions from about 2 to 5 inches of snow. We do have that advisory map on our Facebook page for KRVN. But once again, along the west of the line from O'Neill to Broken Bow, North Platt and Curtis, midnight tonight to midnight tomorrow night, winter weather advisory for 2 to 5 inches of snow. Now, right now across the area, most of us with temperatures in the mid to upper 30s. We do have some temperatures in the 20s to around 30 into the Nebraska Panhandle. And once again, that chilly temperature of 19 towards the Shattering area, but lighter winds across the area. Seasonal for the temperatures today. We'll see that slow increase in clouds as low pressure and a cold front start to approach from the northwest. It's nicer today with those lighter winds mainly out of the southwest. Snow chances increasing later tonight over the west and north as that area of low pressure and cold front track to the southeast. Snow tomorrow spreading to the south and east before it wraps up and moves out for tomorrow night. Accumulations of 2 to 5 inches are possible if you're along a northwest of a line from Albion to Loop City, Lexington, and Cambridge. Once again, along the northwest of a line, Albion to Loop City, Lexington and Cambridge, uh, two to five inches of snow there, lighter amounts to the southeast of that line. Thursday will be a transition to mainly dry and mild weather for Friday through Monday as the ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. We will see a system pass to our south Saturday night through Sunday that could give us a little light rain or snow, but not expecting it to be a major system. That will be followed by another potential system coming in from the northwest next Tuesday that could bring even more moisture. But once again, since it's coming in from the northwest and not from the southwest, probably not a whole lot of moisture to work with. In our long-term forecast, chances increase for Colder than normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas and the western two-thirds of the U.S. Sunday through the 2nd of next month. During late February in central Nebraska, the average daytime highs are in the mid-40s with average overnight lows in the low 20s. Above normal precipitation is forecast for Nebraska and Kansas, especially the early part of next week. But for Sunday through the second of next month, generally expecting those uh, above normal precipitation amounts. Market impacting weather factors include mostly favorable conditions for Brazil's soybean harvest and a stormy forecast in the central U.S. six to ten days from now. The Midwest forecast will be dry the next five days, but a new round of rain and snow six to ten days out will add to the concern of saturated soils and flooding just ahead of spring field work In the southern plains, southwestern areas in need of better moisture, Getting a better chance of rain and some snow the next couple of days. Also active weather in the next week has that potential to bring significant rain and snow. Across central Brazil, periods of rain will offer favorable moisture for second crop corn. Uh, uh, causing minor delays to the soybean harvest. Harvest progress in central Brazil on track for the average pace, and production estimates continue to point to a record crop this year. South and northeast Brazil crop areas will be drier, but with little impact to the total soybean crop size. Historic drought in Australia has again reduced the prospects for the wheat crop. The latest estimates have the wheat crop declining to 15.5 million metric tons. That is their lowest in 12 years.
0: Hmm. Okay. Very good. Well, we do have girls and boys state basketball coming up, so we know mm-hmm. that there will be weather <laughs> on one of those. It exactly. Well, it's,
4: it, it has to. It's an annual tradition. <laughs> it
0: is. It's. It's a. Tra- it's a law. It's more than a tradition. It's a law. Mother so, Nature wants so. to
4: be a part of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. We know we've seen some uh, some <laughs> bad days on that for sure. Maybe we'll break the trend. It'll be okay too. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Where do you go check in
4: on your weather? Weather tab dot com.
1: there's nothing worse than being at a show and smelling amazing food but maybe that's the good part about it good afternoon i'm Susan littlefield here on the rural radio Network. cattleman's classic is underway at the buffalo county fairgrounds and chef zach is joining us he is a chef at cashway here in carney and i tell you the smells that were coming from in front of that sales arena were were amazing talk a little bit about what you did this morning in cooking for these kids sure uh
5: morning out there or afternoon everybody out there so uh so what we did is, is worked with the ProStart Culinary team. It's a it's a high school and, and college age uh, program to where it really gears them up into the world of, of food, whether it be working in restaurants or working in other aspects. It could be ag. It could be anything like that. Um, so really it was just really showcasing the love of, of beef out here today and creating a recipe
1: for them uh, that all has to be done within a certain amount of time. What I loved is the educational aspect that you put into it as you were talking about the beef and the different cuts and, and why and how they needed to make everything come together. Sure, and that's, and
5: that's one of the great things about uh, Nebraska and beef I- anyway, is that there's, is it's so central to us, but a lot of us maybe take that little bit for granted anyway. Um, so to really get out there and, and talk about it, educate, take the mystique out of it a little bit, and make it more approachable for everybody. What did you cook today for them? So we did a pan-seared sirloin steak with cremini mushroom sauce, basically. That sounds amazing.
1: So how do you go about selecting that right cut to be able to go with the recipe?
5: Well, working with the great partners of the Nebraska Beef Council um, to, to, to really, you know, showcase you know great quality meat and anything in that middle area, whether it's a ribeye, a strip loin or a sirloin, those are really your sweet spots when it comes to making uh, great meals in a quick amount of time too.
1: And is it being a little bit of adventurous with that pan as well?
5: Yeah, it always helps to have a sense of creativity and adventure and a little uh, go-getter attitude, I guess, when it comes to um, doing uh, events like this or creating dishes or anything like that.
1: So what's got to be your favorite dish that you've created utilizing beef?
5: This one. The one I did today, anything I do at that moment is going to be the most favorite thing I do.
1: So can you walk us through it a little bit?
5: So the dish itself? Okay, good question. Um, So the dish itself is, you know, season season the steak, pan sear it. Um, Any steak for about an inch in thickness is going to take about 8 to 10 minutes for you to get that 120 to 125 degrees, which is that perfect medium rare that you look for. So sear it up. Um, let it rest for about five minutes. You can make a simple pan sauce with the drippings left in the pan after you sear it. Uh, we just happen to add some cremini mushrooms, uh, a little cream, and then some blue cheese into it, and that's just the nice little silky smooth sauce that goes over the top.
1: And a way, it, it kind of breaks up what is stuck to the pan and, and just adds more flavor.
5: Absolutely, any time that you're, you're able to pull those flavors off the pan, you're just gonna make that sauce or any dish uh, that much better.
1: What are the sides would you put with that steak?
5: Uh grilled asparagus is always great. Um maybe another steak on top of that steak is always good, but I'm from the heartland. So, you know, being a good Nebraska kid, I swear I don't think you could ever have enough beef. Amen to that. Uh what was your what was your hope of takeaway as these students watched you? The takeaway for me was really nice just to see that level of engagement. Um when it comes to the youth sometimes they get a bad rap as, you know, they're not fully invested
1: uh, with their time or engaged in certain activities. Zach has joined us. He works with Cashway here in Kearney. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Royal Radio Network.
0: It is 1224, time for us to take a look at sports, see what's going on around the area. Jason Jorgensen in here with me as a sub-district started last night. We had some play-in games and stuff going last night, and they really uh, hit the fever
2: pitch today. It does. North Platte is hosting the C-111. Cozad will square off against Chase County in the first matchup at 6. The second game should be a good one at 7.30, as Gotherberg takes on Hershey. And Swedes head coach Brent Streeter hopes this season can continue. It's
5: just been a real joy to coach. They're coming positive. They're willing to make adjustments. Uh, what you coach is what you see, and... Uh, We appreciate that from them, but uh, they're never quit. Uh, They've held us in a lot of games where they've been easy just to uh, pack in the bag, but uh, the never-quit mentality and the competitiveness in our girls is uh, outstanding.
2: Both of those games tonight can be heard here on 880KORVN. I know Chase County has the uh, McNair girl that college is to take a look at, so she's a nice player.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her tonight, and and, uh, you know the feeling from Coach Stauffer from COZAD was – thinks we can maybe uh, do some things against her. So we'll
2: see. We will see and come to sub-district and district time. You just never know. Devin Dotson hit six threes and scored 29 points and five KU players hit double figures as the third-ranked Jayhawks rolled to a 91-71 win over Iowa State. That sets up a monumental rematch with top-ranked Baylor this weekend. Now, first things first, Baylor will have to take care of Oklahoma. The Bears are 23-1 this year. 15th-ranked Creighton. They have a tough one on the road against 18th-ranked Marquette. Of course, the Jays are coming off a week in which they beat Seton Hall and then totally destroyed DePaul on Saturday. They're 20-6. and six. At least there's one Division I men's basketball team playing well inside of the Nebraska Borders. That one tips off tonight at 730. And, of course, there was that dramatic wreck at the end of the Daytona 500 last night as Denny Hamlin captured his second straight victor on the track – Ryan Newman's crash, however, stole the spotlight. Now, there was some real fear that things were going to turn out badly for him. Still listed in serious condition, but the doctors have indicated his injuries are not life-threatening. And Hamlin was glad to win, but very sorry to see Newman go out like that. I'm great, good friends with Ryan. We worked well together, as you saw at the end of the race.
5: Uh, we've worked together in these tandem situations for years. So, you know, he's been a great competitor uh, and a guy that, uh, you know, really set the standard on speed when I came into the sport. So, hoping all is well with him and thinking about it, uh, him and his family at this point.
2: Hamlin joined six Hall of Fame drivers as winners of three or more Daytona 500s. He'll never forget this one. No. Neither will anyone else who saw it,
0: especially live. Two, maybe the two most iconic one, a wrecks happening at Daytona in the history. you know, with And the, right toward the
2: tail end of right each at race. Yeah. So, but yeah. hopefully Orion Newman will recover. But mm. that was a scary scene last night at Daytona, that's for sure. No doubt. Uh, that's check of Sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Jason.
6: Officials say the results from new tests for the COVID-19 disease on 13 people evacuated to an Omaha hospital from a cruise ship in Japan await confirmation from federal experts. Taylor Wilson with Nebraska Medicine said the results aren't expected for several days. The 13 were part of a larger group of American citizens who arrived back in the U.S. Monday. One of the 13 was placed in a biocontainment unit at Nebraska Medical Center receive a higher level of care because he had a cough and other symptoms in addition to a chronic illness. An 18-year-old died today after the car she was driving went out of control and rolled in northeast Omaha. It occurred around 1.25 a.m. when the car ran off the roadway, rolled, and then struck a tree. The driver, pronounced dead at the scene, has been identified as Alexis McCormick, who lived in Omaha, her passenger taken to a hospital for treatment of a shoulder injury. Police say alcohol use is being investigated as a contributing crash factor. Two people are rescued from a cabin near Fremont after floodwaters from the Platte River surrounded the building. Dodge County officials say ice jams along the Platte River caused the flooding southwest of Fremont. Sheriff Steve Hespin says the current flood conditions aren't out of the ordinary.
0: Yeah, what we're looking at behind me here is something that happens probably over... Uh, half the years in the spring uh, we have low land flooding in this area Uh, with the events that happened last year uh, people are a little bit more on edge with the water coming up which is understandably uh, for like say all the devastation that we had last year Uh, when water comes out now people are a little bit more cautious and a little bit more wary of
4: of what may happen.
6: A fire occurred overnight at a residence in St. Paul affecting a family of adults and three children Fire units were called to 213 7th Street. An American Red Cross volunteer is helping to meet the family's immediate needs. The remains of a Kansas Marine who died in World War II fighting in the Gilbert Islands have been identified. The Wichita Eagle reports a U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Private First Class Raymond Warren was 21 when he was killed in 1943 during the Battle of Torreira. After his burial site was discovered in 2015, his nephew, Warren Cooper of San Diego, and his niece submitted mouth swabs. The Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency announced this month that his remains has been identified in part through DNA. And President Donald Trump's administration is waiving federal contracting laws to speed construction of a U.S.-Mexico border wall. The Department of Homeland Security said it'll allow 177 miles of wall to be built faster in California arizona new mexico and texas and bring the republican president close to his pledge of 450 miles by year's end on the rural radio network i'm dave schroeder
1: the thoughts of being a local farm are changing Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Now, let me explain what I mean by that statement. The U.S. Grains Council held their annual meeting just this last week in Tampa, Florida, and I sat down with Deb Gangwish. Now, Deb does sit on the board for the Nebraska Corn Growers Association. She's their chair of communications committee, and she is from Shelton, Nebraska. I asked her her thoughts on farming
7: in a global world. Well, Susan, I've, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The family farm is a global business, and I think now more than ever we've seen the implications of the impact of, of maybe the lack of trade agreements, the difficulty in negotiating, and the p- impact we've seen on our farms. So I'm down here at US Grains Council. Um, I'm on an action or an advisory team, and um, the whole purpose of the Grains Council is to represent that farmer in over 75 different countries around the world finding a home for the products that we grow so well. Um, this morning is a great example of allowing the members of the Grain Council to get this global perspective what's going on. And I kind of picked up on a theme this from our first three speakers that you know we really we we have to maintain hope for the best but we need to be prepared for the worst. And that's not what farmers want to hear and all three of our speakers this morning kind of said hey you know, this is the reality. Um, we spoke with or Ambassador Craig. Spoke to us from the U.S. China Business Council. We had Eric Snodgrass, who's a principal atmospheric scientist with Nutrien, and then we had Kevin Levinson, who's from the Washington International Trade Association. And those perspectives from those men were were um, very very distinct and unique. But what all came together was, we have to, like I said, be prepared. Uh, for the bur- worst, but always hope for the best. One of the things about being on Grains Council representing the Nebraska corn growers that I want to send home to Nebraska's farmers is look up U.S. Grains Council. This is an organization that works tirelessly for you to market your, your corn, uh, your sorghum, and any co-product, as well as barley. We don't have a lot of barley in Nebraska, but they also market barley. Um, Like I said, 75 countries around the world. um, They have a trade toolkit. Trade has never been on the forefront like it has the past few years. Never. Um, You talk to guys that have worked in government affairs and they're like, trade's top of the list. So take a look at what U.S. Grains Council has. They've got a great toolkit for you to be able to understand some of the things that they're doing and I think you'll be absolutely amazed at what you find on their website. Um, Your checkoff dollars are hard at work with the U.S. Grains Council.
1: What has got to be one of your biggest takeaways from being this meeting? I mean, I'm sitting across from you and you literally have a notebook full of notes.
7: What is your biggest takeaway? Um, my biggest takeaway is how deeply integrated my farm in Shelton is with what's going on in China. Uh, we talked with Eric's, or Eric Snodgrass, talked with us, and he talked about different climactic patterns. You know. Farmers are so good at planning and so good at planning, you know, what's my crop plan for this year? What's my nutrient management plan? blah blah blah. But in talking with the folks this morning, we need to be looking 10, 15 years down the road when we're when we're when we're thinking about our farm and that's really difficult to do. I know I was talking to a farmer next to me and he's got a daughter back on the farm and both of us were just like, you know what? We really Farmers are so agile, but we really need to incorporate longer-term thinking. And that's so true with China and a lot of what we heard from the ambassador. It's true with the climate issues that we talked, uh, that we heard about with uh, Dr. Snodgrass. And then with um, Ken Levinson with the International Trade Association, he was fascinating because he's working with every sector. So he's, he's not just with agriculture, but he's working with every sector and has this 30,000-foot view of trade and its implications and how it impacts us and how, I think, the interconnectedness. That's what it would be, is the interconnectedness. And like I said, there's no one doing harder work than U.S. Grains Council for our corn farmers.
1: Talk about the advisory team that you are on and
7: what that all entails. And boy, I, if, if folks could see the look on your face as I asked you that. Yeah. I'm on the trade policy advisory team. And our advisory team um, keeps a pulse on all trade policy developments around the world. So it's it's incredibly intense. It's um, There was a discussion this morning about India. And India is a very difficult, Partner to work with, and uh, the the intricacies of of all the different trade policy, the WTO, the uh, the non tariff barriers. There's there's all sorts of things that um, lots of moving pieces. So our action team monitors and works with global trade policy. We have a value added advisory team. We have an ethanol advisory team. We have um, advisory teams that are focused on a part of the world. And all these teams are bringing the farmer's voice to the table to help propel Grain Council forward in the best way possible.
1: That's my conversation with Deb Gangwish. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network.
0: Time for our business report here on KRVN. During our midday program, it's 12.53. Scott Foster in here with you as uh, we take a look at the markets. And uh, a lot of red everywhere. It's kind of like going to a Nebraska game. There's just red. It's just a sea of red. Uh, The Japanese Nikkei down 324 points. The Hong Seng in Hong Kong is down 405. London's FTSE down 50, and the German DAX index is down 102. The 10-year yield is down uh, 2.5% right now here in the United States. Apple is down 2%, too. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 213. NASDAQ down 20. And the Standard & Poor is down 15. Bob Brogan to make sense of it all.
3: Yes, stocks are lower on Wall Street. And we're hoping that red that we're seeing turns out to be a good omen. In years to come, the Huskers will regain some success in some areas, we'll see.
0: That is ridiculously optimistic on your
3: part right now. I I feel like I have a need for red right now. Well, you got it. Okay. The maker of iPhones said it will fall short of its revenue forecast in the current quarter because of production problems and weak demand in China. Technology companies and banks led the selling. Utilities held up well. Tech and healthcare companies have been the most vocal about mentioning the new coronavirus in their earnings conference calls, according to FactSet. So we're continuing to watch results from that uh, the virus, uh, whether you want to call it uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus. Officials at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, meanwhile, have 13 people from a cruise ship in Japan where. The virus has spread as part of a larger group of American citizens brought back to the U.S., and so they're continuing to monitor that situation. Walmart reported disappointing fourth quarter profits and sales after a sluggish and shortened holiday shopping season. Violent social protests in Chile cut into international sales. So, we're also today, a legislative bill designed to improve access to broadband internet. Was debated on first round and it was given approval on a 37 to nothing vote. So that measure uh, kind of puts uh, that bill kind of on a fast track. It was introduced by Senator Tom Brandt of Plymouth.
0: Okay, very good. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate uh, all your help today.
3: Thank you.
8: news on the world radio network and today we have the pleasure of visiting with colin woodall who serves as the ceo of the national cattlemen's beef association and colin uh, your your uh, cattle industry convention is now in the past give us a recap how did things go for you it was a great convention we had great
9: turnout almost 8,500 individuals who came we had some great speakers the secretary of agriculture was here talking to us uh, the trade show was the biggest we have ever had almost eight acres of exhibitors and really the overall mood was pretty optimistic about about where we're going as an industry and what 2020 is going to bring for us
8: as we do go into as we are into 2020 i should say one of the hot topics we hear we're hearing uh, at the convention was the term sustainability kind of a renewed focus on that and proving that the beef industry is sustainable tell us more about that
9: Well, it was one of the first conversations we had in San Antonio, and that was with the Secretary of Agriculture. He brought it up. He talked about sustainability and talked about all of us in general as agriculture uh, taking this challenge on. But specifically for us as a cattle industry, uh, it it has been an interesting conversation. A lot of times when you bring up sustainability, uh, producers just kind of roll their eyes a little bit and say, oh, my goodness, here we go again on this topic. But the fact is the issue is not going away. The consumer is talking about it. The consumer domestically, our international consumers, regulators are talking about it. Retailers are talking about it. Sustainability is is here. So we could put our head in the sand and get left behind, or we could come forward and see this as an opportunity. And that's how I see it. This is an opportunity for us. It's not an attack. It's not a challenge. It's an opportunity. What it does is it allows us to talk about all the good stuff we do. We don't need to change anything necessarily. We have the metrics that show the benefit that we bring to uh, not only the range, but being uh, carbon sinks, et et cetera. And so it's just a matter of getting that information out so people know it. And so this is an opportunity
8: for us. Shifting gears quite a bit, there was a recent lawsuit. uh, NCBA is a contractor to the beef checkoff. It involved the checkoff. So if you can, Cohen, set the stage a little bit about that lawsuit, who's involved.
9: So this was an. Lawsuit that was filed by RCAF against USDA and was focused on the Montana Beef Council. And it was really questioning the oversight of Montana Beef Council and ultimately all of the beef councils and whether or not those dollars are being used properly. So, this has been uh, over a two year process that we have been dealing with this. And what we found is uh, the, the the magistrate judge that was looking at this initially came out and ruled in an RCAF favor but after additional information provided to the judge after an oral argument he came out just a couple of weeks ago now and said that no, he's changing his position and that he does believe that USDA has adequate oversight, a very robust oversight, actually, over how these dollars are being spent. So these dollars are being managed properly. They're being spent properly. They're not being spent on lobbying like a lot of people think that they are. And so winning this is a big victory not only for, for NCBA as a contractor but for the checkoff as a whole and really, I think, helps solidify the future of the checkoff moving forward.
8: Why do you think the checkoff is important? as we uh, are into 2020 now there's a lot of different messages out there why is it important to have the checkoff there
9: this is a self-help program for us as an industry and it's been wildly successful for every dollar that we spend we're getting about twelve dollars in in benefit as an industry that is a fantastic return and any financier in the country would take that kind of return so we need to make sure we preserve this because we have to compete we have to compete globally and more importantly, we need to be able to tell our story and the checkup. is a great tool to help make that happen.
8: Colin Woodall has been our guest. He is the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm Bryce Dusky reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Nine
10: work we're talking now with John Payne senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain John a solid close for the corn and the wheat markets soybeans a little bit on the back side really though what's the fire behind this still disrolling around the Australia news
11: well i think that's probably the, the the catalyst there for the wheat markets but there's also the, the you know the short crop here in Chicago that uh, is is going to decipher things too so short covering You know, I think a lot of folks thinking that we were going to see some delivery risk into the, into the, into the close. Uh, I will say that we're not seeing the foreign offers jump, so. I wouldn't be chasing this up here. I, I think we're closer to a high than we are to a you know a new leg. So you know, KC up near five dollars. I think I'd be selling it given the time of the year. Uh, it just doesn't feel to me like that the U.S. offers need to need to rally that much to get some demand. But we will find some, especially given the the, the Australian news, and then we also had good export inspections. So for the third straight week for corn, good export inspections, and uh, at this point, uh, that's going to push as well. So three two and a half on the corn. I mean. It's it's strong. Um, I will say our offers are going to be a little bit less on the export markets out in May. So, you know, I'm I'm tempted to tell folks to sell it here. I think not, maybe not this price, but I think dumping your your March delivery might make some sense. Uh, not holding it through through the spring. If you're gonna hold it through the through the summer months, that's different because you're gonna get a whole new um, you know set of rally. Um, you know. Fundamentals that can come in off U.S. crop, but as we get into May, if they have a crop down in Brazil and South America, I don't think you're going to get much more than where we are in the March offer right now. Maybe we see it run up to four bucks, but it just doesn't feel like it's that kind of market that's going to going to take off here. Look
10: we'll over in the soybean trade, meal market yeah, moment, really March May both up over shot, a dollar.
11: Your friend says, or is this up coming
10: up. from that solid NOPA crush and is it the saving grace of the soybeans today?
11: Yeah, I'm surprised that we're down on the beans. So I think the Brazilian Ray right, is is really weighing on things there. The currency down there is just in the doldrums and can't really seem to, uh, to get any strength. So that's capped bean futures. And then you've got the, the Brazilian soy harvest kicking into gear as well. Uh, we're about 45% completed down there now. So uh, corn planting will get started. Um, it's going to be wet for the short term, but uh, their, their corn crop will follow their bean crop. So that will be what we watch now going forward uh, with bean expectations pretty solidified here, above $120 a metric ton for what Brazil plans to grow—that's a massive number and one that's going to cap U.S. rallies. But I think the real question for me is, what does the new crop do here? We have Ag Forum on, Friday, on Thursday morning. Uh, we'll get some numbers on that, and I think that's bound to give us some optimism, at least on the upside. Given that I don't think you're going to see a huge acreage number. Again,
10: yeah, we're talking with John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel Zang Marketing. Their website: com Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider those risks before investing.
0: And that's going to do it for our midday program. To hear our midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts at KRVN.com, brought to you by Divini Motors.
7: Howdy,
5: folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and the Cook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaVinny Chrysler Jeep today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a DaVinny deal.